The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome, welcome. Today, we're talking about it's a harmful algal bloom summer on South Florida beaches and in Indian River lagoons. So today, it's in July here, and it's kind of hot up here in Cambridge, um, we're talking about harmful algal blooms and why is Florida's Martin County and St. Lucie County and Palm Beach County, why are they been declared a state of emergency? Why are beaches on Hope Sound and along Stewart Shores, including Jensen Beach, Bathtub Reef, and Hope Sound, why were they closed as well? Um, last week uh, to swimmers and to all kinds of things. So my guest today is Ocean River Institute's summer intern, Elise Dovlatoglu. Hi, Elise. Hello. Okay, help me out with your last name. <laughs> uh, close. It's Dovlatoglu. Dovlatoglu. Yeah. And um, is, is that Greek? We were talking about Greek food the other day. Yes. Um, it's Greek with some Turkish influence. Um. They don't have to make it easy, do they? they no. have got to mix yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah. Elise, you're a sophomore at Northeastern University. Yes. So what are you studying? I am studying economics and environmental science. So you've come to the right place. Yes. We're going to be doing a lot of environmental science and not too much economics, but there is some implication to connecting them. Um, and my gosh, you just started on Monday, and here you are on Internet Talk Radio. Um, you know, talking about faraway Florida and the Alstertons. Yeah, um, that was the news that was breaking when I started um, Monday. And um, so I want to ask, Rob, what are harmful algal blooms? Good question. So algae, uh, often the main ingredient of algal blooms, are, um, are plants. They're the plants of the sea. So some of the algae are large, like kelp and rockweed, and others are very small. Um, and then there's phytoplankton, and some of the phytoplankton aren't plants at all. They're diatoms. Uh, red tide is a harmful algal bloom. It's not an algae. Uh, so it's a whole mix of stuff that happens in both salt water and fresh water. And the algal blooms in the salt water tend to be caused by nitrogen, whereas in freshwater, phosphorus and phosphates will cause the algae, the plants, in the, uh, to bloom in the freshwater. Uh, and some of them, uh, these blooms are, are as cloudy as all get out, and others are, are clear. So we have red tides more common on the 
Gulf Coast of Florida than on the Atlantic side where I've been working. Uh, and those, those red tides, they may give a reddish tint to the water, but they may not. And there may be just a clear section at different depths in the water. So you have a whole range of, of these things that are fall under the shadow of harmful algorithms. Wow, that's really interesting. So what was it about um, these algal blooms that happened over the weekend? Right. So um, there we were, you know, kicking back, 4th of July weekend, and Aza uh, Mendez, who is uh, another intern like you, who was here last week and was spoke last week on uh, Moria's Environmental Dialogues about uh, harmful algal blooms in Falmouth and Martha's Vineyard. Well, Aza was on the vineyard and reading the New York Times, and he, sent, he texted me the New York Times article, which is called Reeking Oozing Algal Close Algae Closes South Florida Beaches. So apparently things got really bad last week, the last week of June in, um, on that Atlantic side of Florida, uh, starting about West Palm Beach going north to all the way to Melbourne and beyond uh, Cape Canaveral, pretty much. That's Indian River Lagoon. And uh, they were having put into it um, all this black muck. And the black muck was uh, coming from the center of Florida. But we have Lake Okeechobee. And you have a lot of agriculture and some residents. And um, all of those things uh, release nitrogen, and septic and sewage and fertilizer. And all that stuff settles in the waterways of central Florida. And they have the dams that control the floodwaters, coming, the waters coming out of the middle of the state. And uh, they, they maintain them about, they're about a 15-foot dam, and they want to have, you know, two feet of clearance from the top of water. And here it is the summertime when the rains come. And so the rains have filled it up, they, and it's within 12 inches of the surface. So before they crest, they have to release the water. The Army Corps of Engineers releases the water from the bottom of the dam, and that's where all the sludgy, mucky stuff is. And so literally just this thick muck comes down the St. Lucia River, and you can see it. Um, Jackie Thurlow showed it to me, photographs from her husband's airplane of this, this, this black cape spreading across the lagoon coming out of the St. Lucia River and stuff. And it, it's wicked stuff because it's... Uh, the algae is, is dying and putrefying and reeking, and so it, it eats up all the oxygen, and that's not good for fish. Wow, yeah. So what's going on in Florida that caused these stinking plants to close whole beaches? Right. So the nitrogen comes out, you know, the black mucky is high in nitrogen, and then it is eaten by um, various kinds of algae. And the newspaper is saying it's, uh, it's blue-green algae, which technically is an algae, but it's, a, it's one of the most, one of the first organisms on, on Earth. And it's just reproducing really quickly. And uh, it reproduces so quickly that it ups and dies, and then it starts, you know, plants are supposed to take up carbon dioxide and release oxygen. But when they go too fast, they grow too quickly, they die, and they are, are using up more oxygen than they're creating. So that it goes anoxic. It uses up the oxygen. And then about a quarter of the phytoplankton algae uh, have toxins that they can release. Uh, and so they're mixed reports. I think at first they didn't have a report, but then uh, 
by Friday they were reporting um, some toxic releases as well. But it, it's really bad stuff just because of the, this is what ocean dead zone is, is that, that the algae has bloomed so greatly that it's eaten up the oxygen and so that fish can swim into this, uh, bait fish chased by, you know, bigger fish. Um, and they both, all the fish roll up dead because there's suddenly no oxygen because of these blooming plants. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make for a very good beach. No, it does not. They have all this slimy stuff on the shores and in the water. Um, is it time for a break? Oh, no. It's early for break. <laughs> so, um, let's go on to um, what we have after the break. So, um, well, uh, after the break, um, we I was going to say, um, let's see, I cover everything first. Okay, so after the break, um, you know, it's we were going to talk about more about what the report is that's coming out of here. And, um, yes, that's exactly what I was going to do. I was going to talk more about um, the, um, the Florida report um, where, um, yeah, so the Army Corps of Engineers, you know, released the, uh, the, the waters from Okeechobee, and uh, the, the algal blooms were so bad that they caused um, the governor to declare states of emergency in Martin County, and St. Lucie County, Palm Beach County. These are three counties in the southern portions of Indian River Lagoon. He also closed Lee County, which is on the Gulf of Mexico side. So water from the center of Florida goes out in two directions. It goes east out to the St. Lucie River, and it goes west out towards Sarasota and um, Boca Grande, um, and so that, that Lee County was also suffering from that. So those these counties have been closed because of the uh, this uh, summer release by the Army Corps of the black muck from the center of the state. And uh, I told you about that, you know, they've got to keep enough water around, uh, enough clearance over the top of the dam so it doesn't crest. And what happened for the first time in memory, I think, was that last December was the wettest winter that southern Florida has seen in a long, long time. It just rained a lot. Usually it rains in the summertime. Uh, and so we don't want them spreading fertilizer in the summertime because the rain washes it off. But it rained last December like no tomorrow, and they were forced to release the muck from the center of the island in, uh, like, the end of December into January. And so they were having, once again, terrific uh, harmful algal blooms. However, this time... Uh, there wasn't, people weren't going as much going to the beaches. There were not, it was not a state of emergency. It was not a declaration of beach closings. And I think that's because it's not a difference in the quantity of muck coming out of the out of the middle of Florida, but it's because it was during this, the colder period in Florida. The water wasn't as hot. And then the daylight period, the daylight period is shorter. So the growth time and speed of the algae is slow because of cooler waters and less sunlight. So although they had just as much food to eat, they didn't have the same blooming problems they had there. But this newspaper article from the uh, Times um, talked, they interviewed my friend Mark Perry, who's with the Ocean, uh, Florida Oceanographic Society. 
And I, I've known Mark when I was a school teacher, and we would have marine education get-togethers, and he would uh, be representing, you know, the Florida Oceanographic Society. And, and Mark was uh, saying that this this whole problem of harmful algal blooms in Indian River Lagoon and in Palm Beach County is because the uh, Florida state government failed to move on an amendment that is to take this water from Lake Okeechobee and send it into the Everglades. So instead of shunting it to the east and west, they should let it flow south into the Everglades and, and on through the Everglades out into Biscayne Bay. And, into the, and because the Everglades themselves, with all that plant material, those grasslands, would, um, would appreciate all that nutrient that's coming down there. Stuff. And so that's a natural process of cleaning the waters before it gets near to coral reefs and these more sensitive, uh, and, and, and algae hungry for blooming and stuff. Uh, unfortunately, to do that, the state needed to buy land to uh, create natural runoff areas uh, for the, the water. And uh, let me see what Mr. Perry has to say about that. Um, so he says the flow used to go south of the Everglades, and now this is a man-made criminal disaster. And they, as in the state and federal government, say they can't send the water south, but they can. This is an absolute atrocity that they are allowed to continue this in the name of agriculture. So, you know, because the properties that they need to buy are owned by the sugar industry, they have not been able to um, uh, get access to these areas south of uh, Lake Okeechobee. Um, so, as a result, the water is now, therefore, coming through, you know, and causing this harmful algae. So, if um, that could only be solved, that would be huge in, in helping with the loss of, of marine life and the inconveniences that we're seeing for people. Um, yeah, so now I think we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk more about harmful algal blooms and joy. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate4oceans.org. 
Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, I'm here with... uh, Northeast University's, our summer intern from Northeast University, Elise Dovletuglu. Close. Give me a tune again. Dovletuglu. Dovletuglu. Yeah. Okay, by the end of the show, we'll have your name down. We learn one thing in this program that's going to be how to say Dovletuglu. So if, if you're listening, please join us for more information about what's going on in Florida and our other causes by visiting oceanriver.org. So it's www.oceanriver, one word, singular, dot O-R-G. And when you're there, I urge you to sign up for an e-alert. You'll see up in the upper right corner to subscribe or e-alert. Now click on that, and that'll put you in line to receive updates from us about what's going on and about podcasts like this one and stuff. You can always unsubscribe. Um, we kind of send them out as needed. So um, it may be twice a month, it may be more or less, depending on what's happening. We've yet to send one out about this current news-breaking stuff. So um, sign up, and then you'll, you'll hear more about that. Um, yeah, and also, you know, we sure would support, love your support in our efforts here. Um, you know, we are paying Elise to um, work here, and uh, every bit helps and stuff, uh, this summer internship. Um, so, Elise, ask me the next question. So, um, could you tell me a little bit more about um, Florida's Indian River Lagoon? Yes, thank you. So, on the, we're on the Atlantic coast of Florida, and Indian River Lagoon is 156 miles long, north and south. And uh, it starts, you know, just north of, um, well, West Palm Beach and Palm Beach County is the southernmost county. 
in, and it goes all the way north to Cape Canaveral. And it is the most biologically diverse estuary with brackish water um, in North America. And the reason that is is because it straddles both the tropic temper, the top tropic climate and the, the kind of subtropic uh, climate where it's not as hot as southern Florida. So they've got a mixing of two places, and then it's shallow and um, nutrient-rich, unfortunately, a little too nutrient-rich. Uh, so it, it just supports an amazing amount of wildlife from uh, sailfish off of Sailfish Point, which well, I guess kind of allows them to move the sailfish. But, um, you know, dolphins and manatees and wood storks and uh, pelicans, and it's just a phenomenal place. Um, but it's also tricky because the water is so shallow that um, if boats go out of the channel, uh, dolphins and manatee can't dive to go under the boats. The boats are it's that shallow, so the, the boats have to avoid the dolphins and manatees. Uh, and the lagoon. So, um, talking about the wildlife, um, many dolphins are dying during the summer months, and um, I was wondering what the Ocean River Institute did um, about this problem all the way from Cambridge um, to Florida. Right. So here we are up at Harvard Square, and um, and you know, suddenly there we are in Florida. And what happened was that I started here. Uh, my son Ryan and I were sailing out to uh, Nantucket in the south shore of Cape Cod in this little Hershoff dough dish of a boat, and the wind died, and we were five miles out and five miles to go to Nantucket, and we had a paddle. So I put the paddle in the water, and when the water was really murky, so I put my hand in the water and found out that when my fingers were in the water, and the water came up to my elbow. I could not see my fingers because there was so much algae in the water five miles out. So I said, I want to be able to see my fingers when I go ashore, or, you know, in the water, you know, yeah. anywhere in the summertime. Um, so I, I went ashore to Barnstable and said, look, guys, agriculture is over-fertilizing by um, 100%. The lawns are being over-fertilized by 500%. We shouldn't have to put so much lawn fertilizer down, uh, especially can you stop doing it during the summer when the daylight's the longest, the water's the hottest, and the algae's the bloomingest. So just don't do it then. And uh, they said, well, show us the algae coming off the lawn, about the algae. Show us the nitrogen and the fertilizer coming off the lawns that are feeding the algae. And it turns out that Cape Cod is all sand. So when you have your lawn, it's on top of sand. And so you put your fertilizer on top of the lawn, and the rains come, and it just washes it right through the, right through the turf, through the sand, into the groundwater, and then you can't tell if the nitrogen is from um, the lawn or from septic or sewage. So there's no way that I can get one town to change. And there are many towns, or a few good number of towns around in second town. So... Um, then I learned about that there were dolphins dying in Florida in the summertime, and they had these terrible harmful algal blooms happening. Um, and I looked at the map, and it's just like Nantucket Sound. It's shallow and warm and a lot bigger, but there were only six counties around it. So if I could get six counties, we'd have the whole ecosystem reduce nitrogen. 
Yeah. Um, so that's what we did. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and you met with the, the county commissioner. Um, right. So how do we do it? That's yeah. the next question. So um, we, held, uh, we have a partner, uh, Nancy Beaver. So Ocean River Institute allows people who have a similar cause to helping save the oceans or watershed. They can become a partner, and we will set them up with, like, their own little nonprofit, basically, where they can have a web page and um, they can have their own bank accounts where people can contribute to their educational efforts, and, and we let them manage that money, and we monitor it carefully so it's all legal. They're not using it for, you know, salary or anything like that. Um, and so Nancy Beaver runs this Sunshine Wildlife Boat in, out of Stewart, and she takes school groups and family groups and researchers out on the waters. And so she is a partner, and she introduced me to the problems of the Native Lagoon. And we had a fundraising dinner for her uh, in January, and Mike McCulloch, who was the dolphin savior expert of Florida, told us that most dolphins were dying in Martin County. So we happened to be living in, and staying in Martin County. Nancy lives there. So we went to the county commissioner right there in Martin County and said, Mr. Commissioner, we're really upset about these dolphins dying because of all this nitrogen feeding, these algal blooms, and, you know, they're probably dying from a disease or something, but they've been weakened and stressed. It's all part of the problem. And this is an easy thing to fix. And uh, the commissioner said, well, this is... Um, this constituent of his from uh, Jupiter Island is upset that the algae on the beach is yucky for her grandchildren who are playing on her beach. And so I pivoted right there and said, yes, Commissioner, this will solve that problem. Less nitrogen off the lawn means less algae on the beach. Uh, and so he took it to heart, and he came back a few weeks later and saying, yes, let's... Um, Respect the setbacks. Don't fertilize the lawns too close to the water. Let's use some slow-release nitrogen, and let's not fertilize June 1st to September 30th. Um, and the commissioners of Martin County unanimously passed this effort to save them money and have green grass and cleaner water. Wow, so that was a huge victory. Um, did it become any easier with the other five counties um, to pass this same type of um, yeah, you think, you know, here we were setting away and stuff, and it turned out that the St. Lucie commissioner had been working on this for years, and he hadn't gotten it through because he had such a, he, the scientists gave such a big shopping list of things to do. They said, well, you don't need the phosphorus, you know, and these other things. And I realized that there's so much phosphorus in the soil of uh, Florida that they're actually pulling it out of the soil, mining it to put in the fertilizers to go with the nitrogen that they're chemically producing to, to go into the fertilizer. So the phosphorus, the phosphates in the fertilizer were not hurting the marine life because there's a lot there. So that's my goal is, is to save the marine life and the quality of my swimming water. So I kept it simple, uh, and that, that helped. But, uh, no, the commissioners... Um, what happened, as you noted, was that it was four months, you know, a third of the year, Martin County wasn't fertilized. And that went right to headquarters, you know, national headquarters of the fertilizer industry, and they're going, ah, this is the end of profits as we know it. 
you know, so they came down like a ton of bricks on the other counties, and the other counties nasty passed the next year, or they nasty put down any efforts to address that. So then we had to organize, and we needed more people, and we were only able to get, uh, I mean, not only did we talk, you know, um, articulate with the Martin County Commissioner, but we also brought him, you know, 3,000 signatures, or many signatures, I'm not sure how many thousand. Um, and we had to increase our game to overcome now the obstacles that were being put up by the industry. Yeah. And so, like you said, um, the Martin County regulation um, didn't allow fertilizers from June 1st through September 30th. And um, so the industry clearly wasn't very happy with No, they weren't. Um, and so you had to go to Tallahassee? To yeah, that's that? right. So guess what the industry did? They took it at the state level. Um, and uh, exactly right. So we had to, you know, involve more and more people. We initially included um, the Indian River Keeper and, of course, Mark Perry's Ocean, um, you know, Florida, uh, Florida Oceanographic Society. Uh, and then Lisa Soto became the director of the Marine Resources Council, uh, and uh, Jackie Thurlow and other friends created the River Kids. So we had this burgeoning numbers of people involved, community groups up and down Indian River Lagoon. Uh, and we heard about the wonderful work that Chris Costello was doing for Sierra Club on the Gulf Coast. And so she came over and met us, I guess we met halfway in Orlando, we had a meeting of the organizers, and uh, Chris used to be a union organizer, so she's really good at pulling us all together. And so luckily, Chris was on board when the industry went at the state level. And what they did was, in Tallahassee, they said, okay, let's have a state uh, fertilizing certification, lawn fertilizing certification program, where people, will t fertilizers, spreaders will take a test and pay $35 and get a certificate and then they'll be certified to apply fertilizer throughout the state. And by being state certified, they can ignore county regulation. So all of this just to get around Martin County. And uh, so the groups organized, and they all converged on um, Tallahassee. And meanwhile, the Ocean River Institute, we were out collecting signatures and, and comments from people all over Florida, and we, um, as they, we organized them by town, and then we found out who was their state representative, who was their state senator, and we addressed individual letters to the state senator or representative from just his or her constituents, and we picked one of the constituents and put their return address on the upper left corner and the local address to Tallahassee to the legislator, you know. And then I carried 180 letters to the post office in Tallahassee and mailed them right there and stuff. And, and so that bill did die, um, and there has been an effort the year before, and this is a bigger one, and then subsequently there were efforts, but they never got as far along as this one did. So we were able to, to turn the tide on that. Yeah. Um, and so... You passed um, different ordinances, um, and were there any towns that... Oh, right, right. So, well, 
So that turned the tide, and, and then we uh, got Indian River County with the next one to pass an ordinance in 2013. So Martin County is 2011, and then 2013, Indian River County passed it. St. Lucie County did it in 2014, Bernard County in 2014, and finally Volusia County, way in the north, um, July 2014. So um, that was good. And um, congratulations yeah. um, for working together um, to reduce lawn fertilizer pollution. Yeah, it was a lot of people. I, I had done my, I mean, my big thing was starting the ball rolling. And after that, I just got quality time in Florida, which wasn't too bad. <laughs> no, not too bad. Um, so you were going to ask um, about um, what's left to do? Um, yes. Yeah, um, so you'd think it was all done. Except that the little town of Jupiter Island in uh, Martin County, which is right on the border with Palm Beach County, uh, did not go along with the rest of the county ban in the summertime spread. And Palm Beach County, you know, they're, they're in a county of their own. And, and so the reason for that is that um, these are very these are the most we most wealthy town and the most wealthy uh, county are those two. And so these people really, really, really care about their grass and are, you know, more than the sliminess of waterways and stuff. And so I can understand why they were not wanting to be first out the gate. But now Martin County, which borders Palm Beach, has been fertilizing three times a year since 2012. And, um, their grass is just as green as is Jupiter Island and um, Palm Beach County. Well, so how are you going to build support for responsible lawn stewardship? Right. So it's back to the drawing board because new communities. And um, fortunately, this time, um, our, our, well, first, we were known for getting results. And so I'm very grateful to a family foundation that has a member on Jupiter Island and a separate family foundation located on West Palm Beach that they have, uh, they are supporting the work of Ocean River Institute to bring into their communities a responsible lawn care ordinance like this. And so we, um, we've got it down to a science. We have our, we have our sixth annual, um, Sunshine Wildlife fundraising dinner at the uh, Miles Grant's golf course in um, Stewart. And uh, we took out an ad promoting the event in the Palm Beach, West Palm Beach newspaper, a print, a paper ad that talks about how we're going to be talking about the need for an ordinance that doesn't fertilize in the summertime. So we got the word out that way in a nice friendly invitation. Uh, and then I came back. Well, also in, in the wintertime, there's the Port Salerno Seafood Festival. It's a huge, big event in Stewart. People from all over come. And so we've been tabling there as in the past. And uh, we had our letters there to the uh, Jupiter Island town manager and to uh, the Palm Beach commissioners, county commissioners. Uh, and so we're commencing the process of building a bunch of people. Uh, it was very important to go talk in uh, Palm Beach at the Gumbo Limbo Nature Center 
you know, we can promote that ad, and you know, that's out there, you know, come learn about the pollution problem. And we got people coming because I said, we're going to compare it to Nantucket Sound. So we got people coming who were interested in, in West Palm waterways. We also got people coming and, and Boca Grande, where the, where the nature center is, as well as people, locals who want to talk about Nantucket. So that was, that was a pretty cool thing. So we've just been um, building a constituents. And so you've collected a lot of signatures, and um, were they mostly collected online? Good question. So we have um, we have about thirty. We have forty thousand people that are connected to the Ocean River Institute by subscribing to our e-alerts, and so we send it out on that, and a fraction will open that, and uh, a few thousand will sign, or yeah, so some sign with that. And then we encourage people to write comments, hundreds to write comments, and then we collect those all so we make sure people sound good. That's important. That they just don't go unfeathered. We're the only organization I know that does that. Um, and then what's more, what's more important is that we are on the ground in Port Salerno and in Boston and wherever. It's amazing. People care about distant places because we all move around and stuff. So, but face-to-face, you get to try out your message. You get to you know hear how people respond to it. So we set up in the square and have interns you know manning a table and just interacting with people, saying you know would you sign this and, and why it's important and stuff, uh, to learn about hunt wildlife. Yeah, for sure. Um, and um, that tabling that the Sunshine Wildlife signer. Yes, right. So um, thank you. So in in uh, Florida, in, yeah, in Stewart, Florida, I, I um, at the dinner, you know, the sixth annual, I could say, could you please sign this? And we had we had a whole letter made out, so they could write a sentence below as part of the letter and stuff. And um, the locals are saying are saying, um, well, we've already done Martin County, you know, we don't need to sign this. And I said, no, no, you guys did Martin County. You're the first ones. You're the ones who are fertilizing three times, not four times, so you're the best people to recommend to Palm Beach County that you get on with this. And so those were not a big number, but every single one of them were a comment. So they are probably 10% of the comment. So we're going to take a short break and be right back after this, um, after, you know, after a word about what we're, how you can help the Ocean River Institute. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI 
partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI Eco Steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're cleaning up the waters of Florida, especially Indian River Lagoon, that's suffering from the massive, reeking, stinking, oozing algae blooms that are fouling beaches and not pleasing swimmers and uh, probably damaging quite a bit of wildlife and marine life. And so the way we go about correcting that is that we take local issues, and so instead of Thinking globally and acting locally, we um, listen and think and and act locally, and then we take the word out globally. So we're actually acting. What's that? We're thinking locally and we're acting globally. Go the other way around, and this is much more respectful of people. And um, because these decision makers, you know, need to make decisions that better manage our and clean up our environment, and in this case. Um, the decision is you don't need to fertilize your lawns in the summertime, and um, that is the worst time because that's when uh, the least grass, the least use by grass and the most wash-off into waterways, and the daylight's longest, the water's the hottest, and so the algae's prone for blooming, and um, we don't want to feed those terrible beasties during the summer months. So we're trying to get... Jupiter Island, the community town of, and Palm Beach County to conform with the rest of Indian River Lagoon and not fertilize 
in the summertime. And so to do that, um, poor Elise started on Monday, and I handed her this enormous spreadsheet of names and comments and contact information and said, okay, just clean this up for me. So what did that look like? Um, so um, that was a collection of the online and in-person signatures um, and comments that people wrote about the issue. Um, and we collected over um, 2,000 signatures, um, about 2,200. Oh, come and on, the exact number. We've got it down to the exact number. Exactly, yeah. 2,238 signatures. Um, um, not just from um, people within Florida, but people who have family in Florida, um, used to live in Florida, moved away, are still passionate about the ecosystem and the wildlife. And um, you know this? Um, we know this because people write where they're from, their address. Oh, cool, with the comments. comments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get their name, um, their address, um, a little bit of background about them if they choose to tell us. And it's really interesting. It's been interesting to read through. Um, we have people as far away as Croatia, um, as close by as Stuber, Florida, and elsewhere in Florida. And um, the people are really passionate about um, their ecosystem and where they're from and um, where they like to vacation. And um, we've had a lot of people talk about the dolphins and how wonderful the dolphins are and how they deserve a better environment to live in. And we've had people talk about um, how they go there every summer for vacation and how they used to live there and they don't anymore. They've moved away, but they still um, keep up to date with um, how their hometown is doing. And so it's been really um, insightful and has kind of connected me more with the cause, um, even though I've only been to Florida a few times in my life, never seen um, the Indian River Lagoon, but um, it really just goes to show um, how passionate the people are and how this is an issue that we shouldn't just let pass us by because um, uh, the people have a right um, to protect their backyards. Yeah, how great for the managers to get actual words from people far away places. Yeah. Normally they just get this list of names and it feels like they've gone to a cemetery names and so people will say, oh, you know, I don't know, I'm not impressed by numbers. And they may not be, but they do remember the comments. And it, that's really the, the gold in our communications that the Ocean River Institute sends. And so it's very important that there be a respectful tone to the people writing to the decision makers because they're grappling with an issue that doesn't come easy. And, you know, especially if they feel that the foreigners want the locals to harm their lawns for the good of the foreigners on the beaches or something, uh, you, you need to be careful that it, it's in good interest of everybody and not be disrespectful of that. And so that's part of your job is to make sure that um, there isn't ridiculousness being shouted at, um, you know, at, at people and stuff. And yeah, for sure. Um, there's, the comments have all been pretty much very respectful and very level-headed, um, but um, you do get a few that are a little more aggressive, but you need to be careful, like you said, about that because this is a hard decision to make, especially on the policymaker side, and they have a lot of people. Well, you don't want to be personal about it, and there are yeah. people who are personal about how could you do this and that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, you know, that's a fair question to ask, how can you do this, but when you start using explicatives or getting into political diatribes and yeah. stuff, um, 
Yeah, so we've been doing this over the years, and so people tend to figure out that this is not a soapbox for the wrong kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, it's amazing when you tell people, we're going to read what you write before you send it to the politician. Yeah. And I think you get different quality stuff. And, and clearly, some of these people have written before. It's this wonderful, wonderful verse, as you said, yeah. description of path. Um, so that is really, um, yeah, thank you it's for all that. So we, then we merged it together, and so we'll have a, um, we put it in two, we organized them so that Florida was first, and then each state alphabetical, but then by town, and then by last name or something. So you've been careful to read through, and we both have, to make sure there's no duplicates. Yeah. There may be a couple of squeak in, and that's because we will set, we'll ask people, couple times to write a comment, and sometimes the second or third time they do write a comment. So we don't, and we don't have the, the means to have the fancy programs that screens out someone who's already signed it or something. Um, but again, we're looking for quality comments. So thank you for, for working that stuff out. Yeah. Oh, so we've got a, two columns, and then we'll have a cover letter on the front. So I don't have to read it. You know, it's not a whole stack of letters. It's, it becomes like a, a volume, and you can flip through it and, and read comments and stuff. So we're hoping to get that out. Um, I think we'll finish it tonight, and then we'll be able to look at it with fresh eyes before we send it out to decision makers. It's always good not to rush it and, and look at it again in the morning because after all that work, it's too easy to, oops, you know, and, and the presentation is everything. If you come off on the wrong foot, you're not going to read much further. Yeah. Um, so that is that program, and I want to thank you for helping me with that. Um, I would invite people to go again, go to our website and uh, at oceanriver.org, yeah, river.org, um, and you'll see on the homepage six causes, six pictures, and um, one of them is the um, harmful algal blooms, and there are five other to choose from. So I invite you to, you can go and learn more about what we're talking about this campaign or other campaigns. Um, you know, subscribe to our e-alerts, and so you don't have to remember to go visit us. We'll send you something once in a while. Uh, and uh, so this is a pretty uh, fast... How do you like working here, Elise? Um, I like it a lot so far. It, it's um, not a dull lot. moment, eh? No, no, not at all. A lot of cool things are happening. So what was it like? You walked in a Monday morning, and it wasn't just me sitting behind the computer. What was going on here? Um, so when I walked in... Um, you were here, as well as um, Tiana, another intern, and Asa. Right. Um, and they were working on their own projects. Um, and um, overall, very great group of people um, who care a lot about um, the environment. Well, what's fun is we sit down and we talk about, you know, so Tiana talked about the lake in Massachusetts that she's, the reservoir she's working on, and, and she's preparing a report on that, and so she verbally gave the report. And you were able to give her positive feedback, and, and Asia was able to comment. And then I drilled into the details, and so you all three got to see about, you know, how to organize it. You know, I would yeah. say, well, this thing down here, you should bring that up there, and, you know, how do you put your story together? And, and so it's neat. When I step out of the office, you guys are going to be bootstrapping each other about how to get the different stories together yeah. and different campaigns together. And, you know, when you and I are working on getting this radio show together, you know, I could overhear Asa, you know, asking Tiana about, well, how do you do this, you know, yeah. for the reference and stuff. And so it, it's, a, it's a dynamic place to, to be working for. And I, it, these problems are so complex 
And that's why they continue to be problems is because there's no easy answer, you know. You can't just give away, have no grass, you know. People love lawns, and so you've got to find a way that people can have green grass and just not pollute. And this is, again, again, is a situation that it's okay to have something, just don't have it in excess, just don't be causing it to harm people or pollute people and, and try to you know, narrow down to... Uh, the, the, what's the actual problem, and then is there a way to do that? And, and so it's really great that, uh, and we, this has been the way that we've solved these environmental problems, is the more diverse the input of ideas and complainers and users, uh, the more robust will be the solution, and, and it will be a complex solution, but it has to be adapted and changed. So thanks for coming on board. Thank you. And um, for those that are listening, again, you know, Please um, visit our website, oceanriver.org. Keep in touch. And, um, yeah, we're going to be doing, we thought we would be working a lot on Massachusetts harmful algal blooms. And uh, specifically here in Massachusetts and in the whole Northeast and pretty much the north part of the United States, people are being told to fertilize not four times like the four seasons in Florida, but five times between, like, April to October, that the bags will say, the science is this fertilizer bag, and it says fertilize in the spring, um, Labor Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Fourth of July weekend, in the fall. And so we want people to move away from not fertilizing three times through the summer and only fertilize away from the summer, preferably once you know, or half as much twice in the spring and fall. So that we're trying to build up here in Massachusetts in a way they'll be transferable to not only the Northeast states, but wherever they're going to find. So that people understand that they only need to feed their grass the way the golf course feeds their fairways, which is you just give them the fertilizer when they can take it up, when the grass is hungry, so we can have green grass and cleaner water. So I hope you who are listening will keep tuned in to us to hear about you know, how we're working that process and also, we're going to be talking about uh, the different fish in the ocean and how they're affected and how we need to um, address overfishing and the progress we're making there. And so there are many different assaults on the ocean that we're going to be talking about throughout the summer. So thank you again for listening to this program. Elise, thanks for being on this show. Thank you for having me. Great. And I uh, look forward to you coming back and telling us about a new project uh, in the future. And all of you listening, thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves, and then please try to help us take care of the planet with better stewardship. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Yeah.